You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture reading for today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Robert, for reading today. The scripture that Robert just read for us may sound familiar if you've ever attended a Christian wedding. It is a familiar passage because it speaks so much of love, and that, of course, is the focus at a wedding. But when we hear this chapter read alone, we lose the context of what Paul was saying in his writing. In the preceding chapter, chapter 12, he makes it clear that he is writing about the gifts of the Spirit. He names many ways that people can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be part of the body of Christ with their own unique gifts and talents to serve the world in God's name. And he ends chapter 12 by saying these words, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So, Chapter 13 that we just heard read aloud is Paul's explanation of what the most excellent way is. 
He makes it clear. The primacy of love is the excellent way of embodying all spiritual gifts. Doesn't matter what we can do. If we don't do it with love, then it's worthless. This is really easy when we're having happy occasions. Celebrations like weddings or celebrations like celebrating Pastor John's retirement. Gathering with church people that we know and love. It's a way that we celebrate who we are because God first loved us. And we therefore can love God with our whole heart and mind and soul. And then we can love our neighbors as ourselves. The trouble comes, though, when we want to live this most excellent way of love and we go out into the world and all of a sudden we're talking with people that we don't agree with, people that may vote differently from us, people who may look different from us, people who like different things in this world than we do, people who make it hard to love them. Reverend McLaren reminds us in this week's chapter of We Make the Road by Walking that according to Jesus, our neighbor is not just the person who is like us. The person, the person who, I'm sorry, Reverend McLaren wrote this. According to Jesus, our neighbor is not just the person who is like us, the person who likes us or the person we like. Our neighbor is anyone and everyone, like us or different, friend or stranger, even enemy. As Peter learned in his encounter with Cornelius, the spirit wants to break down walls of prejudice and hostility so that we stop judging as clean and unclean, and we open the way for strangers and enemies to become neighbors and friends and family. This comes as a shock to those who were taught to stay safe by staying with those who look like you, who act like you, who believe like you, who were taught that different is dangerous. That belief probably served ancestors well at certain points in history. Survival depended upon maintaining trust with the people around us in our tribe and being fearful of those who were of other tribes. That's why there were so many ways to identify who you were and who you weren't so that you knew how to stay safe. But this means that our history is written in blood. Wars, conquest, invasions, occupations, revolutions, and counter-revolutions. Winner takes all, and the losers, they aren't killed or enslaved, escape to begin somewhere else. Eventually, This is going to kill the whole planet. And so that is the challenge that Jesus brings to us is to stop separating into clean and unclean who is in and who is out. God has come in the flesh in Jesus to say that we are one human kind. It is time to stop dividing people into who is in and who is out and who is clean and unclean. The Spirit has come in Jesus and the Holy Spirit remains today to break down these walls of division. This is why the Apostle Paul repeatedly describes how in Christ we see humanity as one body and how we can see our differences as a gift, not a threat. 
In chapter 12, he's describing the different gifts of the body parts, the ears and the knees and the eyes. These are gifts that are necessary to function. These differences are no longer considered threats. In Christ, Paul has come to realize that people aren't different because they're evil. They're different because the Spirit has given them a different gift. Just as a foot needs an eye to tell it where to step, just as a nose needs a hand to grasp the food it smells, and just as feet, eyes, noses, and hands all need kidneys, bones, and skin, we humans need other humans who are different from us. The Spirit of God, we learn, is a team spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings a unity that is energized by diversity. This doesn't mean all of our tribes need to wear the same things that we now have one culture that dominates. Doesn't mean we need to speak the same language. Doesn't mean we need to cook with the same spices. It means all of humanity needs to convert from this idea of us and them and into a we. This is what the gift of the Holy Spirit in this most excellent way of love is. It is not a spirit of hostility, but a spirit of hospitality. Not a spirit of love, but not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love. Not a spirit of resentment, but one of reconciliation. These words are easy to say, and they are so hard to live out. We see this division in our denomination. We see this division in our world, in politics. We see this division sometimes even in families. And yet, Paul reminds us of the most excellent way of love. Those old divisions those divisions that put people into categories of being Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. For him, the only thing that counts is faith walking through love. And so here we are in worship called together by a spirit of love, a spirit who is with us always. Faith communities, when they are at their best, are schools of love that engage everyone from the youngest to the oldest in lifelong learning, an opportunity to continue to practice this most excellent way of love. This is why we look at the New Testament sometimes for practical advice. It's one thing to throw that word love around, but what does it look like? Thankfully, if we look throughout the New Testament, there are some clear instructions. They come in the form of one another's. They show us that you love one another as I have loved you, according to Jesus. And what does this look like? Wash one another's feet. Be at peace with each other. Honor others above yourself. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Agree with one another so there may be no divisions among you, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. 
When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Do not lie to one another. Encourage one another and build each other up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. And finally, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That is just a very short list of many instructions that we have in scripture about how to live out our faith. Love can seem like such a simple and romantic word, and yet it is one that calls us to have courage and conviction, to walk across aisles, to build relationships with people who are different from us. And that is why we celebrate that God has embodied love in Jesus Christ. He has given us this instruction, not only by his words, but by his very life. And for this, we give thanks.